The Bike Karma Bicycle Stories podcast is brought to you with support from The Frame and Wheel, helping you turn your cycling items into cash without the hassle. And AD Bikes, the modern face of Ostra Daimler bicycles. Become bike, become AD Bikes. Episode 66. Hello. Welcome to the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. I'm your host, Tom Brown. The mission of the show, as always, is to bring bicycle-loving people all over the world together through sharing stories. It doesn't matter whether you like wrenching, riding, collecting, racing, slow rolls, the occasional ride every month, or riding every day, sometimes twice. If you've ever smiled about a bicycle, you're in the right place. Today, we talk about starting your instructional career in the cycling world by being paid in fruit. Then we talk about someone everyone knew, but didn't know maybe was a cyclist. And then I make a bet that the saddest ride I've ever gone on might be exactly the same as your saddest ride. How can that be? Find out today. In a world that has a kajillion billion trillion podcast, I really appreciate that you're coming along with me for the ride on mine. So if you're ready for some interesting stories, let's roll out. type of bike you ride, sometimes when you're out riding, you bike by a skate park. For me, a lot of the times, they're abandoned, at least where I live. And when they are, I sneak in. I usually only stay for about five minutes. I try and roll up one of the ramps, usually try and fail to do a fakie, which is where you roll up a ramp a little bit and then you go back down the ramp backwards, just a little bit. But so much of the time at these places, there's no one there. So when I went up to Burlington, there they had tons of people at this skate park that was right off of a bike path that went all around Lake Champlain. Cyclists and skateboarders were all over the place. Everybody was taking turns nicely. There was a real community there. There were families, groups, People were talking to each other and sharing tips and showing each other how to do this and that. Night and day compared to that creepy little skate park that might be hidden off in the corner behind some things and nobody ever goes there because it's a little too deserted. But, you know, we're still glad we have it anyway. So if you've ever been to a skate park where it's like right on the edge of a bike path and it's just vibrant as heck, that's the kind of place to set in your mind for this next story. The story starts in Whistler, British Columbia, and then somehow ends in Australia. So Whistler is a big skiing town. It's like in the mountains. It's like a village with ski lifts and all kinds of other stuff. But in the other seasons where there's not a lot of snow, it turns into a mountain biking mecca. There's mountain bike trail riding. There's a downhill park. People are using the ski lifts to carry bikes up the mountain. There's a skate park that's kind of designed so that you can do bicycle stuff and skating stuff there. And there's some pump tracks, bumps of dirt that are piled up so that you can go woo 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 over them and there's some jumps to practice on as well so with all those things attracting people to go riding there it works people come from all over the world well we join our next guest when he's living a vagabond lifestyle journeying with his friends and living here and riding for a while and then living there and riding for a while doing things on the cheap on a limited budget one day just by chance in this vibrant biking community where people are doing everything and practicing and doing 
all this stuff, Brian somehow strikes a deal to teach a couple of little lessons for some food. Little did he know at the time that eventually that would be his career, and he'd be doing that career in Australia. Brian Goddard, <laughs> that's how they say it in Australia. I'm in um, Wollongong, New South Wales, Australia. And uh, I teach people of all abilities how to ride bikes. Yeah, so a few years ago, up in Whistler, having a good time, I guess, riding my bike, sponsored, and got a ride with some friends up there to just go and ride and, and check the scene out, doing crank work stuff and, and practicing for that and doing what a lot of people do, going to Whistler and hanging out to ride. I'm meeting pros and getting better and experiencing cool riding stuff. And so Whistler is a little ski town in, in British Columbia, Canada, and so they, they do mountain biking there in the summer. Yeah, Whistler is a place to just go and uh, shred with your friends and have fun and, and go and ride and get better. And yeah, definitely experience the whole mountain biking scene for what it is. Yeah, so at the, the end of the parking lot in Whistler, in the village, just before you're going up to the lifts and, and to the mountain bike park, there's a skate park and there's a couple little pump tracks and skills areas and dirt jumps. And they got a pretty sweet little dirt jump park there for sort of all abilities. I've been there for uh, maybe a couple months already because when my friends took me up there, I stayed there for a little bit for a few months and, and, and I was just at the area uh, dirt jumping just by the car parking that and just exploring. So I'm riding at the dirt jumps, doing a few things just like I normally do and tricks and whatnot and testing out some lines and you know, a few kids come up to me and basically ask me like, oh, how do you do that? I guess in my nature, I like to, you know, always help people and always help people ride. So I've been doing things like that. And, and so showed them a few things and they started sort of picking it up. And then I said, oh, a bit of a backpacker and traveling very light, didn't have much funds. And definitely um, food is a good thing to get, get the energy going for, for some riding. Yeah, so these kids, they want to learn a few things. And, and I said, all right, well, you know, come back the next morning with a couple pieces of fruit each. And we'll, we'll do an hour lesson or so and, and get you started on this. So there's a lot of people there, old people, young people. It's literally a constant crowd in this area. And the day before and the next day, Brian's got like his own little classroom forming. Yeah, the, the, the next morning. And the vibe was just really cool too. Like all kinds of families and people of different ages and abilities riding and, and yeah, uh, all kinds of different sections of riding there for dirt jumps, which is pretty rad. Yeah, the next morning they come around and start doing a little session. And basically it was a good session, like had a few kids going and they all learned a few tricks and we're all really happy and you know, I had some food at the end of it. I started showing them a few tricks they wanted to learn. One was a one foot X up, take your foot off and you know, cross the bars like a complete, you know, one eighty like an X and a pretty cool looking trick I guess. And a couple other ones wanted to learn like a, a whip. A whip is just your, your big old kick out, big moto whip, I guess you could call it. And yeah, they, they wanted to learn how to do that. It then, you know, becomes more about that individual and trying to help each of them with what they're wanting to learn. I've got a kid doing a, a one foot X up and it was just something he's always wanted to learn and could never sort of figure it out, but was close. And yeah, it's just a, an awesome thing to be able to do for somebody, you know, and then uh, obviously get myself some fruit and <laughs> some healthy stuff because I'm a backpacker. So it's like, okay, I could use some food, you know.
So the, the section was over actually that day and, you know, it was getting a bit later and I noticed a girl uh, down at the end just sort of sitting on the fence looking around, you know. Um, I just said, oh, you going to ride or how you going? And, you know, she just was basically explaining that she wanted to do all these jumps but couldn't. She could only do a couple rollers and then when it comes to the gaps, she, she was a little bit scared and didn't have the confidence. So then I said, uh, well, I've just done a session with these dudes. It went pretty well. If you want to come back in the morning and give me a couple pieces of fruit, you know, for my time and I'll, uh, I'll do what I can to get you going, get you jumping. So, um, yeah, she comes back the next day, you know, a couple bananas and oranges, if I can remember, and um, got her started on basically because the thing she wanted to learn was jumping, you know. Um, so I wanted to get her core skills started with just knowing how to pump and getting that stability. And then we started airing out of the the skate park bowl, like a little part of this little snake run that they had. And it was just like a, a never ending tabletop kind of thing. And so I just got her getting, getting good out of that and confident. And then, uh, just started on some of the other jumps that you can maybe case a bit that were rollers. Casing's like coming up short, you know, if you, if you don't make it all the way. And yeah, basically got her going, um, and got her jumping the whole set, which was like eight jumps and four of them had gaps. And she jumped the whole thing. And then, you know, she was, pretty teary after that and pretty happy and just uh said that you know she's been trying to do that for months and just very grateful and yeah she was she was super happy and that that was a big turning point in you know my life as an instructor or i guess wanting to be an instructor which came about a bit later but you know that always stuck with me and to be able to help people like that is uh you know it's, it's a pretty amazing thing and it feels really good so that idea of being able to teach these people really you know made me want to become a coach and, and an instructor and be able to help people. Now, fast forward quite a few years, oh, about 15 years or so now and I'm in Australia and I'm, I have a business where I, I'm able to now teach people with disabilities of all abilities, all ages um, to basically ride and you know, teach them BMX, we do mountain bike, uh, riding along the cycleway with the cool wheelie bike. So my business is called Bees Bike Works because I'm Brian. I guess that was a foundation for how Bees Bike Works got started, my business of being able to help people ride bikes and basically I just saw the gap in people that weren't able to ride or didn't have access to ride and I've provided them the access and then now taught them how to and then gotten them out there and that's basically what the program is and going to schools to help people with disabilities and disadvantaged youth there's programs and things like that for BMX racing as well as mountain biking and work experience on bike maintenance. Seeing where kids basically, some kids that we help out are dealing with some anxiety issues and mental health issues, physical and uh, intellectual disabilities. I basically just saw that gap as to where we can help them out because they weren't getting the access to being able to ride bikes is the way that mainstream people do. Everybody deserves to ride a bike and I, I want that for people and I want to be able to provide that for people because I, I see a lot of things getting in the way that are restrictive that don't need to be there. So. Yeah, you know, that's why I, I come up with you know what what I've come up with, and it's great to be able to see people of different abilities with physical and uh, intellectual um, disabilities, and say the mental health issues and things like that. 
what bikes can do for them. You know, like it's life changing for some because it's a it's a facet, it's an avenue out of there to something better or or you know just to be able to yeah have something that that is a mainstream, I guess, like everybody else did and. Maybe they didn't get the chance before because that person that that was their support didn't push them or didn't push for it or gave up because they couldn't do it because they got angry and, and you know, or the anxiety kicked in and they, they got scared. So it takes a lot of patience. Yeah, definitely. So the patience, is, yeah, that's a huge thing as far as making this all work for people because sometimes it can take months for people that help to pedal. But now they're out riding the trike and unassisted. There's all kinds of those elements as well there. Um, of course, that's whatever it is that they're going through is getting in the way of that. Like a, a lot of the time with kids that are on the spectrum or autistic, the, the parents, like if they find it too difficult to keep going. Um, yeah, because let's say like how you're a coach and you're a parent and you're telling the, the kid what to do and then the coach tells them what to do and they do it, you know, and it's just things like that too. And, uh, you know, a different person helping them, but yeah, definitely patience is, is a huge thing there to, to help these people get going. It's definitely uh, it helps a lot to go through that a few times and really see a good outcome and, and see that person riding now. Yeah, it feels amazing to be able to provide somebody with uh, their own power to ride a bike themselves. I mean, it just opened up their world, I guess, knowing what it does for me and what biking can do for me and has done for me and being able to provide that you know, for people is pretty amazing and seeing that it works and it's life changing for some and changing family and friend dynamics is quite amazing too. And it's uh, very motivating to keep going. So as of 2022, now I've had my business for probably about, well, actually four years on the books. And then the first, there was a year or so before that, just trying to get everything ready and, and see what, what was out there and been doing it for, yeah for that long and seen well over 50 people that I've helped ride for the first time and are now riding or, um, you know, riding it better or now exploring BMX racing or mountain biking, whereas they didn't before. So where would people go to find out more? Yeah, I've got my Instagram, uh, Bees Bike Works and Facebook. Same, I know it's a funny name, B apostrophe S, Bike Works, and Works is with an X, because I always thought the works part of it is everything else that I can do um, to support people through bike riding. And, and they can follow me if they want to. Well, it was great talking to you. Yeah, man, you too. I, I look forward to, um, hopefully, if you want to talk to me next time. I have loads more to tell you about, man. Really good breakthrough and amazing things that have been happening. All right, Bye. thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Good day, this is Rowan de Bonaire of the Velocipedium here in Lancashire, England. I'm here to remind you always to do your ABC quick check before every ride, no matter how short. So here we go. A is for air.
check those tyres, which is spelt with a Y, by the way. B is for brakes, C is for your chain, and quick is your quick release, or your wheel nuts. Just check that those wheels are going to stay where they belong. Thank you, Tom, and here's wishing you all tailwinds and joyful cycling. Toodle pip! Welcome to the Midroll Gratitudes, where I say thank you to all the people who've helped the show, or at least I try to. If I somehow miss you, please let me know and I'll put you in the next time. One of the easiest ways to help the show is by following us anywhere online. And while it's all dark alchemy and algorithms to me, it somehow helps us. Like poof, we're higher in the search results. So, for following on Podbeam, which is where we're hosted, I'd like to thank Morrisburg Gravis. Thank you very much. Diam Feerge. Thanks. Brad Wharton. Hope I said that one right. Mobilish. Bumblebuzz. Pedro173. Oh, here we go. Ofskidjigiv. Thank you. IS. That was easy. Uh, WWMyPike. So thanks for all those people following on Podbean or wherever you follow. It's greatly appreciated. Any shares, any positive reviews, any likes that you do anywhere takes you seconds, but means the world to us. So thank you very much. I'd like to thank the folks at Bowshield. I entered one of their tag and like a friend contest and they sent me a box of stuff. So thanks a lot, Bowshield T9. I'd like to give a shout out to Alex R and Son. They sent me a nice message on Instagram. I'd like to thank the people who've checked out the new website. It's bikekarmapodcast.com, all one word. If you go there, you can see all kinds of artwork from the show. You can link to any episode. Recently came to my attention, you couldn't get to some of the older episodes on Spotify. If you want to check out anything about the show, including some behind the scenes stuff, type it in the address bar where www goes, and it'll take you straight there. If you're wondering all the things we're on, from Pokemon Go to Strava, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, and some really obscure social medias, just go to the address bar and type in www.bikekarmapodcast.com. So all that's free, but some people go one step further. They sign up to help the show on Patreon.com. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help to defray the cost of the show. I have a small but wonderful group of Patreons, including Joe P, who talked to me about leaving it all on the road himself after a story on the last episode. And there's this cool shop down in Fremantle, Western Australia, Captain Walker's Bicycles. And if that's your area of the world, go check them out. They've been nice enough to hang every sticker I've sent them on their door, so they've got to be pretty cool. And speaking of stickers, you could join our Responsible Sticker Army for free. Just DM me on any social media or email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com and I will send you a free package of a whole bunch of different kinds of stickers about the show. And yes, this grassroots, honest way of advertising does really work. I get a bunch of emails and messages from people who say, hey, I saw your sticker on the bike path. Or my friend gave me a sticker and so I checked it out. So yeah, you don't want to place them on police cars or, or on your boss's office door. But you know, any place where it'd be okay to put a sticker. I'll send you a bunch, so if you want to put them on your water bottle, they do survive the dishwasher fairly well. The Midroll Gratitudes would not be complete without saying a big thank you to Fred Thomas, longtime show supporter and owner of 80 Bikes and the Frame and Wheel. In the back catalog, you can hear about how Fred, 
who once raced on Ostro-Daimler bikes, eventually bought the company name and restarted the brand years later. His other business is the Frame and Wheel, saving you time, space, and cash with your bicycles, parts, and accessories. If you've listened to more than one episode, you know all about Fred and his business model. But one thing that you might not know is that Fred can help your businesses as well. Let's say that you're a bike shop that has a ton of overstock. Maybe you over-ordered something. Maybe you're a manufacturer who has tons of extra jerseys. Maybe you're a distributor who somehow ended up with 500 rear cassettes. Well, like the Kool-Aid guy smashing through a wall, Fred can come and help. He excels at this. Not only does he help individuals, if you have a ton of stuff to get rid of, Fred can help you to get the most out of it in a way where you can just kind of get it to him and forget about it. No longer will that order of too many cycling socks be an albatross around your neck. It'll be around Fred's neck and he knows how to get it off. How does he do that? He does that by becoming an expert at everything he puts up for sale. He photographs it like an artist. He navigates all the appropriate prices and all the policies of online selling. And while of course he takes takes his cut. You don't have to worry about a thing. He just lets you know when it's sold and sends you the money. So whether you're an individual looking to sell a bike, some bike parts or accessories, or you're a business that has an abundance of bicycle related parts, Fred's your go-to guy. Contact him through the Frame and Wheel. He's on all the social media as well as the frameandwheel.com. If you're looking to buy stuff as well, keep Fred favorited on eBay and follow him on his Facebook gear exchange. You'll find great deals on a bunch of cycling stuff. Thanks, Fred. Now back to the show. The late actor Robin Williams spans so many different people's generations. I grew up with him as Mork for Mork. We all looked ridiculous in grade school going around going, Nano, Nano, Shazbat. But as we grew up, he grew up. He did tons of other parts, and every one of them seemed to make an impact on the culture. From Michael Scott screaming, Good Morning Vietnam, awkwardly, in an episode of The Office, which came from Good Morning Vietnam, and from Patch Adams, and from Mrs. Doubtfire, and as Theodore Roosevelt from Night at the Museum. Regardless of your thoughts about Disney, he was amazing in the part as the genie in Aladdin. Well, regardless of your point of reference on Robin Williams, he was also an avid cyclist. Like so many of us, he used cycling to get rid of the bad energy and to get in some good energy. When the world lost him in 2014, it was later found out that he had been suffering from a disease called Louis body dementia. It's a form of dementia which affects the whole body, can include Parkinson's, and it's a terrifying thing to look into no matter whether you know what's happening or not. So anyway, this amazing actor and comedian who brought so much joy into our lives, had a collection of about 100 bicycles. Not like mine, like really primo stuff. And after his passing, there was a huge auction. His family had donated them so that they could go to raise money for challenged athletes. That in and of itself is an amazing story. But today, just a quick memory from Joe Kermaski. You might remember him as the Metal Cowboy. He wrote some amazing books, many of which inspired me to do what I do. I had the pleasure of talking to him a while ago about Lightning in the Saddle, the story of an amazing woman who was fighting Nazis by bicycle back in World War II. You can go listen to that in the back catalog. Just a quick word about Joe. You know, a lot of people oversell and embellish what they've done in their lives to make it seem like more. And some people who hear Joe talk for the first time might think that he's doing that. But those of us who know him a little bit better through his writing and stories, those who know him know that he's actually downplaying and being humble. 
I've talked to people who've had full lives full of cycling adventures. Joe somehow has managed to fit like five lifetimes worth of stories into his time so far. In one of those many, many chapters of his life, he was a journalist for, I think, Bicycling Magazine. He'd got to do tons of cool things there and also to interview Robin, which really made an impact on him. So when I got a chance to ask Joe, this guy with thousands of bicycle stories, what was his favorite? He could hear his mind tick through all of these different thousands of stories. And the one that rose to the top was the time that he got to talk to Robin Williams about cycling and life. When we talk about weird things, what's the first one of your babies that pops into your mind? Well, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's covered a quarter of a million miles on a bicycle on five continents. So I don't know whether to start with the kilt-wearing Scottish Highlands gent who saved me in the Australian Outback or the six-foot-eight bounty hunter named Big John Proverb in the Yucatan Peninsula who saved me from banditos at a ecological dig. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many of them. Hey, this is Joe Kermaski. I'm from Portland, Oregon, a.k.a. the Metal Cowboy. You know what I'm going to start with, though? I'm going to start with, we were talking a few minutes ago, Tom, about the love of a bicycle and how it can really save you in this world. Uh, it can it can take you places, and it doesn't matter how fast or slow you go on it. It is a, a magic carpet of sorts. It's a machine that initiates kindness, and it's a, it's a time machine. So I'm going to take you to an interview I did because I was a – I was fortunate enough to be a, a travel writer and get paid to ride my bicycle all over the world. And at one point, I mean, for a while there, I couldn't get arrested. Uh, I just rode my bike and rode my bike. But eventually it turned into a career. And I got really lucky. At one point, the editors at, at Bicycling Magazine asked me to uh, interview Robin Williams. You know, it was called 10 Things About the Bike. And... I couldn't say no because, you know, as a, uh, I've done stand up and, and worked one man shows and done a lot of that stuff with my books. And so I was like a junior achievement version of any comic. And so a chance to talk to Robin Williams. Well, yeah, I'll have that, please. A couple slices of that. So I got on the phone with him and I think they, they told me I had um, 20 minutes. So I, I introduced myself, and so I got my, it was sort of like a Make-A-Wish Foundation. I got a chance to, to riff with Robin Williams, you know, go toe-to-toe, -to -toe and, and just just two guys on the stoop talking about bikes and having a laugh and just riffing off each other, and he was Robin Williams, that guy, that lightning-quick wit and all of that. And this was just a few years before um, before we lost him. So at a certain point in this, I realized I hadn't done my job, and I was down to my 20 minutes. And so uh, I had to start asking, I had to be a journalist, I had to start asking the questions. And so I ripped away at a few questions, and then I just said to him, hey, what, what has the bicycle meant to you? And he said, well, you know, Joe, um, the bike has added years to my life. He said, the bike, if I didn't have that bicycle, 
there were times that I I don't know where I, I would have ended up. And so as a journalist for years, I used a little tool, a little trick. And the trick is that if you turn somebody, you can paraphrase somebody, as long as you say it back to them and they agree, they say yes, then you can use that as a quote. So I turned around and said, so what you're saying, Robin, is the bicycle saved your life. And there was a pause. And Robin Williams said, no, 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 Joe, that, that's not what I'm saying. Because, Joe, nothing in this world can save your life. Because life isn't meant to be saved. It's meant to be spent. And all we have to ask ourselves is how am I going to spend the rest of it? Well, holy moly, Tom, I was like a poor man's Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. I'm sitting on the other end of the line. <laughs> well, what do you say to that? You just had a little soliloquy with Ron Williams. And so what I took from that, when I hung up the phone, I just, I, there were tears in my eyes. And what I took from that was that, you know, the long shadows on everybody's life as you live, if you don't have a few long shadows at a certain point, you're probably not doing it right. And Robin Williams was, you know, one of my, one of my icons and idols and all, but I got the chance to just see Robin Williams take it down, take off the mask, take off the stage and just sit down in the chairs with me and meet me person to person, biker to biker. And it was, it was, it was 30, 40 minutes I cherish. And, um, and so that's one of the stories of many, but that's one that just stands out to me. I wouldn't say it's the weirdest, but it's the, um, it, it's one that had an impact on me because, you know, I've had a great, I've had a great life and the bicycle's been very responsible for that. But, but I'm not going to say that the bike saved me either. I'm going to say that, um, that the bike has made the life that I've spent so much more worthwhile. If you get a chance, visit Joe Kamaski on social media and at his site, metalcowboy.com. I personally highly recommend his books, the Metal Cowboy series and Lightning in the Saddle. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. This is Mike Wolf from American Pickers and you're listening to the Bike Karma podcast. The saddest bike ride I've ever taken might be the same as the saddest bike ride you've ever taken. Wait, how can that be? I hear you asking. Well, the answer is the saddest bike ride is not about where you are. It's about what you're doing while you're riding. And for many of us, the saddest ride we ever take is when we're looking for a lost pet. 
I've had to take this ride a few times over my 52 years or so. The last time was when Wenna the chicken went missing. Wenna was a cute Polish chicken. It was the black, fluffy kind with the white feathers on top of the head. Kind of looked like a Muppet, but it, it was a real chicken. One day we noticed that Wenna was missing. When chickens go missing, they're under the deck or perhaps in the neighbor's yard. They can fly, just not very far. The other thing that can happen to chickens is that sometimes an animal can get into your yard. It's easiest for hawks. I've seen chickens freeze and look up at the sky with one eyeball pointed upwards. Pupils get larger. And then I turn my head in that direction and way, way up there, almost so small I can't see it, is a hawk circling around. I mean, there's literally a pecking order with chickens, but they like each other. They're social creatures, so they let each other know that that's happening, and then they go hide under a bush. But anyway, one day we noticed that poor Wenna was missing. We checked thoroughly under the deck, we checked the neighbor's yard, the usual places where the chickens would go, and then I got on my bike. It's a different kind of ride. You're going slow. You're looking. You're scanning. While you're still keeping an eye on the road, you're looking under cars. You're looking under bushes keeping your eyes wide for any sign of movement. Chickens don't really learn their names super well, but if you go bark, 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 every time you give them treats, they start to associate that noise with being okay. So even though it was kind of a serious situation, I was clucking on my bike, going slowly around the neighborhood, looking into people's yards. But hey, that's what you do when you love your pets. What I'm also starting to notice is that the hawk who was flying around earlier was no longer circling above me looking for food. Not really a good sign. When you first start out pedaling, you're kind of hopeful, but as more time goes by, as your mileage increases, you can feel your hope slip away like a slow leak on a bicycle tube. Eventually you start questioning, did I go in the right direction? If I was a chicken, which way would I have gone? You're thinking about every crime show you've ever watched before. You think, if one of the chicken was abducted by a hawk, and she managed to get away, which direction would she flee to? So yeah, just to summarize, I'm slow rolling around my neighborhood, clucking, looking under people's cars and under their bushes and scanning their yards. And at the same time, I'm trying to get in the head of a chicken who may have survived an abduction, trying to think, where would I go if I was this little fluffy black and white chicken? At what point would she have been able to break away from the hawk? What direction was the hawk heading? And then I hated myself for even thinking this one, but would the chicken cross the road? I mean, if she were running for her life. But all puns aside, I'm growingly aware that my heart is breaking because I think I might not ever see her again. I didn't end up finding one on that day. I went home, put my bike away, and then went back to the last place we saw her. We never found any feathers, there was no sign of a violent hawk swoop in or any signs of an attack. She probably fell victim to an extremely adroit, cunning, and hungry hawk who was able to swoop down and carry her away without any traces. Well, I know that Occam's razor says that that's the most likely explanation. The small part of my mind clung to a bizarre fantasy where Wenno the chicken was like traveling Matt from Fraggle Rock and she had just gone off to explore the rest of the world. 99% of me was sure we would never see her again and was heartbroken. The little 1% crazy bit of me was 
still hoping we'd get a postcard from her sometime. So yeah, I've also done this ride for cats and dogs, and luckily, sometimes I've found them, usually not on the ride. Usually they return while I'm out on the ride. In fact, my success rate on rides to recover lost pets is 0%, but I will still try every time. So if you've ever searched for a lost pet by bike, you and me, we are now brothers and sisters in that futile and often sad ride. But there is something positive we can do about it. It won't bring Wena back, but it may help somebody else. If you see a missing pet sign whenever you're out riding, take a picture of it. You're way more likely to see any lost pets while you're on your bike than cars, and you're way more likely to cover more ground than walkers. When they're not ours, think of how many animals you've seen out on the trail. Think about how many animals you've seen while road biking. Once I saw a chicken in the middle of the woods while I was mountain biking. It wasn't Wena, but it was, it was still a cool chicken. So if you notice these signs, you don't need to get obsessed with it. Don't let it bring you down, but just take a quick one second picture. And if you happen to notice an animal that fits that description, just on the off chance your paths cross, you might be able to do a good deed and save somebody from the heartache of losing their pet for good. If this made you think of any stories about your own cycling adventures, please contact me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. It doesn't matter if your story is short or long. If it's interesting and about a bike in some way, we'd love to have you on this show. Thanks for coming along with me on the ride of another episode of the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's stories, a lot of love, and a lot of editing go into each and every episode. As we're going out today, I want to give a big thank you to Keller Glass. This is music for our opening and closing theme music from his band Mob Jack. They made some amazing music together. And if you want to hear some of the cool music that Keller's up to these days, go to kellerglass.com. He really is a gifted guy. Sometimes I just sit back and listen to his music and say, I, I can't believe I know that guy. But thanks a lot, Keller, for letting us use your music and our themes. The rest of the music in our segments is from royalty-free sources. And while attribution is not required, we really appreciate all those musicians as well. Thank you for sharing your work. Well, if you got to the end of this episode, and perhaps you had a couple thoughts during it that said, hey, I have a story that's good enough to be on this show. Or maybe you thought, I wouldn't have done the story that way. Or perhaps you thought, did, did somebody say free stickers at some point? And where, where do I get those from? Well, the answer to all those things can be done through DMing me on any social media or emailing me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. That's bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. If you have a story idea, or perhaps you have a business that would like to advertise on the show, or you want to join our friendly sticker army and give stickers to all your bike riding friends and place those responsibly anywhere that there should be stickers. If you're a shop and want to hand out stickers, just let me know. I'll send you a bunch. The Bike Karma Podcast is the intellectual property of Thomas Brown. All rights, including copyrights, trademarks, etc., are asserted and reserved. We have some exciting stories in the queue, and I appreciate your patience if you're waiting for yours to be produced. There are a couple of tricky little sound issues I have with a couple of the stories, but I am working on it. As the days get darker for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, 
Make sure to stay bright and visible as it gets darker earlier. For people in the southern hemisphere, watch out for those magpies. Till next time, keep it wheel. 